Hey, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to me, if you would, to John chapter 15 and 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at John's writing about living a life of love. John was as close to Jesus on earth as any human has ever been. He experienced the love of God, and he learned what it was like to love Jesus in return. And so when he writes, his writings are filled with the message of love. Here's the way he put it in his gospel in John 15 and verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father I've made known to you. That's more than what's up on the screen. 1 John 4, verse 7, John continues on with this message. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him, and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that, we may, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Let's pray for a moment. Father, this is powerful stuff. And this love life is not an option. And you're wanting every one of us to experience the abundance of the joy of living a life of love. You are love. You live in us. So help us today to see even more how we too may live a life of love with you. And we'll thank you in your precious name. Amen. Throughout the ages, people have tried to define what love is. And it's not easy to get a handle on. Now, if you're old enough to remember the 60s and 70s, movie makers and songwriters tried to describe it. They told us that love was a many-splendored thing. Remember that song? 
Or how about this? Love means never having to say you're sorry. There's a movie you could skip. Anyway, <laughs> eventually the word love came to be used to describe everything from sexual intimacy, making love, to describing our passionate preferences. I love deep dish pizza. Must mean a lot to your wife to have a guy say, I love deep dish pizza and I love you. It's like on the same plane. In one survey I read, kids were asked to give their view of what love is. Here's what some of them said. Love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes okay. Love is what, this, this one's amazing. Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they've known each other so well so long. Here's one of my personal favorites. Love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says she, he's handsomer than Robert Redford. I'm sure that's what through, goes through her mind when she sees her husband smelly and sweaty. Anyway, even the dictionary needs a small paragraph to define the many sides of love. It's not an easy thing to explain. Perhaps we've made things a bit more difficult than we need to. Because when it comes to defining love, it gets, doesn't get any clearer or more simple than what the Apostle John said in 1 John 4. God is love. Love is not God, but God is love. He's the creator, the source, the originator. All love flows from God's person. Love is an essential attribute of God. The joy of a life of love can be found only in the joy lived out in an abundance of God. That's why John wrote in 1 John 4, verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. We are in week three of our series, The Abundant Life, living the joy of relationship with God. So far we've learned in week one that the abundant life doesn't have anything to do with the money you make, the health you have, the things you possess, or the circumstances you face. The abundant life that Jesus is offering is found in living in an abundance of God in your life. Last week we saw that there's a fruit that this abundance from God produces in your life. There is an upward fruit of worship, there's an inward fruit of Christ-like character, and there's an outer fruit that flows out in mission and witness and giving and prayer and service and in love. And this week we're focusing on the joy of living a life of love. Because as John reminds us, people who live the abundant life are people who live the joy of a life of love. But what does it mean to live the joy of a life of love? What does it look like? What does it consist of? Well, John, who knew that love, said that this joy of living this life of love comes from knowing that God loves you. And interestingly, he said, it also comes from knowing that you love God. Living the joy of a life of love means you live with the joy of knowing that God loves you. 
John wrote in his gospel in chapter 15, verse 9, Jesus' words, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. In 1 John 4, verse 7, he wrote, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. When I was a kid, uh, I had great parents, and I knew that they loved me, although they did not express it in words. Once in a while, my mom would tell us she loved us, but I never heard it from my dad. I never heard him express it even to my mom. It's just a different generation, just the way it was. He didn't use the words. So when I got married and had kids, I decided I want my kids to hear it from me. So I told them all the time, and I still do. And I hope my life, my actions, validate the words. Well, now I have grandkids who are getting the message. At least I think they are. Because I ask them all the time, do you know that I love you? Yes, Bampa, we know that you love us. (laughs) Well, how do you know I love you? Because you tell us all the time, you always say the same thing. (laughs) You know, God could ask each of us that question. Do you know that I love you? Do you know that I love you? Yes, God, I know that you love me. Well, how do you know that I love you? Because you tell me all the time, and you show me. That's what the Apostle John was relating in his gospel and in this first letter. You see, John wrote about a life of love because he knew that love from God. He knew God loved him. He knew it because Jesus told him. You see, at the Last Supper in John 15, as Jesus was about to leave, he wanted to make sure that the disciples knew that God loved them and that he loved them. So he told them in John 15, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus told him and the other disciples, the Father loves you and I love you in the same way. God loves you. The word love is the Greek word agapao, which is the, from the root agape. It's been famous. People know it. It's the unconditional love of God. But what's interesting about this form of the word is that it is used of the love and interest of a perfect being toward totally unworthy objects. W.E. Vine once said it expresses the deep, constant love and interest of a perfect being toward entirely unworthy objects. God doesn't love us because we're so lovable. I can't speak for you, but I'm not all that lovable to God. There was a time in my life when I didn't love him at all. God doesn't love us because we're so lovable. God loves us because God is love. And that brings me a lot of comfort, and I'll tell you why. Because God is love like that, and he loves like he does... 
I can't do anything to make God love me more. And the other part of the good news is I can't do anything to make God love me less. So many times we commit sins and do various things and we think God can't love me anymore, but he does. And when God says he loves you, he means it. His word is truth. You can take it to the bank. It doesn't depend on your feelings. It depends on what God says. He told me. He loves me. He loves you. But it isn't just because he tells us. John knew God loved him because God showed him his love. 1 John 4, verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. John said, we didn't love God. He loved us. And he gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He gave that son to be our propitiation. It satisfied the wrath of God. His law was met. And now with God's wrath satisfied, he could pour out his love freely upon those who are in Christ. The Apostle Paul put it like this to the Romans in Romans 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Pastor Rich Murphy wrote so beautifully in the workbook this week, what more could God do to convince us of his love for us? If the only proof of his love for us was deliverance from eternity in hell and the gift of eternity in heaven, that should be enough. The Father's willingness to sacrifice his Son and Jesus' willingness to be that sacrifice is an incredibly powerful demonstration of God's unconditional love. He went on to say, if while we were God's enemies, God loved us enough to sacrifice his son, how much more must he love us as his redeemed children? God greatly loves you. He always has. He always will. It's living in the joy of knowing God's love for us that gives us such confidence and assurance and joy. That's why John wrote in 1 John 4, verse 13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And look at this. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. People, are you living in the awareness that God loves you? Do you know that he has told you that he does and does every day? That he has shown you that he loves you? That when we were still lost in sin and rejecting him, he sent his own son to die in our place. And when you live knowing that God loves you like that, John said, you can live the abundant life.
the joy of knowing a life of love. God loves you. But it's not only knowing that God loves us. Living the joy of a life of love means you live with the joy of knowing that you love God. In John 15, verse 9, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command. In 1 John 4, he said in verse 17, this is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Perfect love casts out fear. And I know that's true because it cast fear out of my life. You see, when I met Carla years ago, I was at a stage in my life where I had little interest in being married. I had been in relationships that didn't work, and I had seen relationships that didn't work, and so I was telling people at that time, I'm a bachelor till the rapture. <laughs> but I fell in love, and all that began to change. But I still had some great reservations. It had nothing to do with Carla. It had everything to do with me. I was living in fear. You see, not only was I afraid that no one could really love me if they really knew me, I was also afraid that I couldn't love anyone else for a lifetime. I wasn't sure what lasting love really was. I wasn't sure of what it took or even if I could do it. But as my love for Carla grew, I noticed that it was flowing out of the fact that my love for God was growing. And it gave me confidence that if God could grow my love for him like that, that he could grow my love for someone else. Over the last 36 plus years, I've had the joy not only of seeing that someone could love me, but that I could also love in return. And people experiencing that love for Carla is a great joy in my life. God is doing that. You see, I share that with you because that's the joy that John was writing about that we can all experience in a growing love for God. Not only did John know the joy that God loved him, but he lived in the joy of knowing that he loved God. This relationship was real. 
That's why he said in verse 17, this is how love is made complete among us or perfected among us or brought to fruition among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. Jesus loves the Father. The Father loves him. That relationship is what God's offering us. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in this. God loves us and we love him and we know it. We're living in the relationship with God just like Jesus did. That's why John said in verse 17, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. We love because he first loved us. How do we know when we love God? He said, we love God when we keep his commands. Jesus told the disciples at the Last Supper in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Verse 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. John 15, verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. God doesn't stop loving us when we disobey, but we don't remain in that love. We don't experience the joy, the closeness of it when we disobey. 1 John 2, verse 3, we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. W.E. Vine, the great commentator, author, New Testament scholar, New Testament grammar expert, said Christian love has God for its primary object and expresses itself, first of all, in implicit obedience to his commands. Self-will, that is self-pleasing will, that I live for me first, is the negation of love to God. Pastor Rich, in the workbook this week, quoting from Deuteronomy 10, said, Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. And Pastor Rich goes on to say that in these passages, Moses and other New Testament writers remind us of the relationship of three key words that if we understand them, he said, will change the way we live a life of love. And people, this was profound for me this week in the workbook. If you want to be blessed and experience the joy and be useful to the master, these three words that we need to learn are love, trust, and obedience. And Pastor Rich said, if we love God, we will trust God. And if we trust God, we will obey him.
We also love God when we obey his commands to love one another. In John 15 in the gospel, verse 17, this is my command, love each other. In 1 John 4, verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Verse 13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his, his spirit. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have, have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother. You see, Jesus is making clear through John, you can't claim to love God and not love the people that God loves. If you make the claim that you love God, but you don't love the people God loves, God said you're a liar. And you're a liar because you say you love God. Your love for God is to obey his commands, and his commands is to love your brothers and sisters. If we had time to develop it today, you'd see, you'd see that he says also that we are to love our enemies and pray for them. So if you don't do that, you are disobedient, and your claim to love God is a lie. I had a lady just today say to me, there's a man in my life who's really nasty. He's an atheist. He hates God. He's not fun to be around. Am I supposed to love him? I said, yes, you are. Doesn't mean you like him. Doesn't mean you like what he stands for. Doesn't mean you like his rejection of God. But God loves that man. He died for that man. And you are to be there to share the love of Christ with him, to tell him that God loves him, even if he rejects it and to never withhold the good news of the gospel and to demonstrate the good news that God is displaying in you. Doesn't mean we like everybody. Doesn't mean we like what they do. God didn't like our sin. And when we're able to love like that, it's God loving through you. People, I can't love like that all the time. God has to do that. And when he does that, my willingness to obey what God wants done through my life to someone else who, like me, did not deserve it. I am demonstrating my love for God because I'm willing to obey him in that, which I would not do normally. Remember, Jesus said, if you love only those who love you, how are you any different from the pagans? Even the pagans do that. We are to show our love for God through our love for others. Pastor Rich said this week in the workbook, God is love. And the moment we fall, excuse me, the moment we fail in love towards another, we put ourselves out of fellowship with God for God loves them even if we don't. We love because he first loved us. Do you remember when Jesus was asked in Matthew's gospel by the teachers of the law, what's the greatest commandment? Remember what he told them? Verse 37. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And when you see God loving through you like that of others, you know you're obeying his commands. And you have the joy of knowing, I love God and he loves me. And that love sets us apart as different, that we belong to Jesus. I was reading about a police officer who pulled a driver aside and asked for his license and registration. What's wrong, officer? The driver asked. I didn't go through any red lights, and I certainly wasn't speeding. No, you weren't, said the officer, but I saw you waving your fist as you swerved around the lady driving in the left lane, and I further observed your flushed and angry face as you shouted at the driver of the Hummer who cut you off, and how you pounded your steering wheel when the traffic came to a stop near the bridge. So is that a crime, officer? No. But when I saw the Jesus loves you and so do I bumper sticker, I figured this car has got to be stolen. <laughs> John 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. People, the abundant life is a life lived in love. God is love. He loves us. And he desires to love others through us. It's a love beyond what we can produce on our own. And as we live out this kind of love, this life of love, there's a joy that comes with that. And it's all made possible because of the sacrifice of Jesus. The love of God is seen every time we take communion. It's also a chance for us to be reminded of how much we love God and to align our lives with him and his commands and to become people who live the joy of a life of love. Father, I want to thank you today for this time of communion. And I want to thank you for reminding us that this is a table that demonstrates the love of God. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Today, God, as we come to this table... Let us live in the love you have for us. And God, may you share in the joy we have of living our love for you. And we thank you for this reminder in Jesus' name. Amen.